Wow, now I cannot just bathe in money, but build a whole house of money. Who would have thought that I would win $50 million? I was so confused with happiness that I stood there during the live broadcast and smiled like a fool holding the check in my hands. And then I fainted from joy. It was a day I will never forget because it changed my whole life. Hi, my name is Eliza and I won $50 million. True, because of that, my friends think I'm a real witch. That was their first reaction when I told them about winning. Even before, they thought I was weird, and maybe I must have some kind of supernatural powers. And why is all of that? Because I've been interested in mysticism for years. I read ancient books about witchcraft, I've made potions out of them, and I even tried to get my cat to drink the resulting potion, but for some reason he refused to drink it and ignored me for a few more days. At first, my friends were neutral about my magic tricks, but then it started to scare them. And I can even guess since which point. One day, I threw a little pajama party at home. The girls and I painted our nails and watched Supernatural at the same time. Eliza, aren't you afraid that Sam and Dean are going to come after you sooner or later? My friend Kristen asked. Oh, really? I've been dreaming about it. Why do you think I'm into magic? I jokingly sprinkled my magic powder special recipe on her, but I didn't think Kristen would be that scared. Ah, what is that? She tried to shake it off. Magic powder with love effect. Soon your crush will fall in love with you. Hearing this, Kristen didn't only stop shaking it off, but she spilled even more powder all over herself. And the girls and I were shocked when Kristen actually started dating a guy a week later who'd she been chasing for six months. It was from that moment someone started to be afraid of me, and someone even paid me for my magic love powder. But it was more like some kind of joke. Few people took my magical abilities seriously. Even I didn't believe in them, since I knew for sure they were non-existent. But after a big win in the lottery, my friends had second thoughts. No one has ever got as lucky as me. We were walking along the waterfront on that day, shooting a video for TikTok, and then decided to buy lottery tickets for ourselves. I bet Eliza wins, said Kristen and <laughs> laughed. Why is that? Well, you're a witch. I'm sure you'll conjure something up and be richer than all of us. Buy 10 bucks, I chuckled. Believe me, I myself was shocked when I found out about the big win, but my friends were in no hurry to be happy for me. They started avoiding me. At first, I thought it was because of jealousy, but then I realized that they were simply afraid of my magic. When I called them for a walk, they answered that they didn't want to go out with the witch anymore. And when I tried to prove that I was just a regular girl, they reminded me of the powder as well as my millions. I was hurt because my friends had turned their backs on me. Believe me, even the money I won didn't make me happy anymore. After all, I had no one to share my happiness with. Unless it's with my parents, who actively began to spend the wind money. Kristen, well, at least you believe in me, I asked my friend when we were doing general lab work. I believe you are a witch. But this is nonsense. Eliza, don't deny the obvious. You've always been into mysticism. Your room is full of strange herbs and cones, and your magic works. That's cool, of course, but you know, it's dangerous to talk to you. You might curse us all when we do something to piss you off. 
I immediately imagined how out of anger I would send them rain of toads, and it made me laugh and feel sad at the same time. That's the dumbest reason because of which friends can turn their backs. That's how it turned out that I was left alone with my millions. New house, cool car, as well as the luxury clothes picked up by my mother did not make me happy at all. My parents noticed that there was something wrong with me, and they asked what happened. I told them everything. Don't worry about it. It's jealousy. You'll make new friends. Where am I supposed to find them? We've been invited to a party. There will be people from our circle who will definitely not be jealous of you. But it didn't work out. These guys were rich since birth, and they did not accept into their circle those who had only recently become millionaires. What's more, they also insulted me in front of everyone, and they said that I was still a beggar at heart. Meh, that's who I would definitely send a rain of toads to, or some other curse. For example, the curse of the stench. I didn't feel like going to school, but there was no choice, and also, I had to act in a play with my former friends. I found out that some of the guys refused to go on the same stage with me, and the performance was in danger of being cancelled. Fortunately, new people were found who have had time to learn their roles. It is such a unique chance to show your acting skills, said the girl named Cassie wearing a medieval dress. Why did the first team refuse to play? They think I'm a witch and they're scared shitless of me, I answered. Wow, what made them think that? I haven't seen you riding a broomstick. I won $50 million and they thought I had conjured winning for myself. How silly. So they weren't real friends. That's how Cassie and I started talking. And after a successful performance, we went to a pizza place where her friends were waiting for us. I was able to quickly find a common language with them. I especially liked a guy named Steve who was also into mysticism. We got to talking and he said that he had always dreamed of getting a unique amulet for which he did not have enough money. I knew which amulet he was talking about, since I just recently bought one for $100,000 for myself. I decided to give Steve a gift. He was shocked when he received the cherished amulet. But it costs a lot of money. Steve immediately put it on. The money is bullshit. The main thing is that you're happy. Steve didn't stay in debt, and he shared with me a recipe for a potion of good luck. Except when I boiled it and I drank it, my luck has turned away from me. At first, everything was fine. I often got together with my new friends, and we went out all the time. Mostly I paid, but it didn't bother me at all, and my friends were always trying to support me in some way. But then Steve got us into an adventure, because of which I started to get into trouble. He offered to take revenge on all of my old abusers. I don't think that's a good idea. I'm not mad at them anymore, I said uncertainly. They betrayed you and they hurt you a lot. Do you really want to leave things as they are? Steve put his arm around my shoulders. Yeah, well, I guess. They turn their backs on you and they say mean things about you behind your back. How do you know? Cassie told me. She overheard them talking on accident. They hate you and they're constantly humiliating you. They're also planning to throw rotten eggs on your expensive car. I got so angry, I felt like I was going to be torn into a million little pieces. Steve suggested we scare them with witchcraft stuff and put witch bags in their backpacks. Well, they're almost harmless, I agreed, but I wish I had thought about it a hundred times before taking such a risk. 
The same day I slipped those bags in, Kristen got really sick. First, she went pale, then she started choking, and the paramedics came and they had a hard time reviving her and took her to the hospital. Cassie saw this and congratulated me on my mission. I, on the other hand, was not happy. I was so scared for my ex-friend. I stayed up all night. And in the morning, I got more news. Another one of my ex-friends was in trouble. He's seriously ill. It was written in the school chat room, and I was so shaken with fear that I didn't want to read any more messages. I called Steve right away, and I told him everything. When they find out who's behind this, they'll turn us in to the cops. Eliza, you're making a big deal out of this. Calm down. They got what they deserved. How do you not get it? They almost died. Come on, sacks don't kill. They just cause curses. We have to break the curse now. Then you'll have to take it back. Would you seriously do that for a bunch of morons? Steve laughed into the phone, and I almost smashed the phone on the floor. I told Steve he was an idiot and dropped the call. I was ready to do anything for the well-being of my former friends, so I performed a ritual to break the curse. Kristen was released from the hospital the next day, and a few days later, my other friend came to school completely healthy. But I still got hurt because someone threw rotten eggs at my car anyway. Then I lost my rare amulet, and then I slipped on the floor so hard I got a concussion. But I was ready for it. After all, I had taken the curse for myself. But it wasn't the curse at all. When I came back to school, Cassie didn't even look in my direction. The other day, I refused to give her money for some shoes. Steve hasn't returned any of my calls and texts after we talked. Then they decided to blackmail me. If I don't pay for them and buy expensive things, then they'll turn me into the police and tell them how I cursed people and how they almost died because of it. I was in so much trouble, I couldn't think rationally. In the end, I couldn't take it anymore, and I cried right in the cafeteria. What happened? Kristen came up to me. I'm sorry, I almost got you killed. I told her about the witch bags and the blackmail that followed. Kristen laughed and said it wasn't my fault. There was a nut in her candy which caused a severe allergy, and our friend got chicken pox from his younger brother, which, however, he took very badly. I was relieved to hear my ex-friend's words, and in a burst of emotion, I told her that I really missed Kristen and the rest of the guys. She hugged me and said that they missed me so much too, and that they were such idiots for turning their backs on me. In the end, I didn't give in to the blackmail, and Cassie and Steve really went to the police, but they just laughed at them. They tried to set me up more than once, but my real friends didn't let them do it. And now I knew that they were definitely not friends with me because of money. And even if at some point they turned their backs on me, I forgave them. People can make mistakes. I woke up to a loud pop. Frightened, I called out for my boyfriend. Tom? Tom? But Tom wasn't there. So I had to find out what had happened. I cautiously looked through the window. I saw my boyfriend coming down the drain pipe, and some girl was loading bags into it. One of the bags burst, and our family jewels scattered all over the pavement. You can't imagine how shocked I was. Tom, what's going on? I yelled. The guy, meanwhile, jumped to the ground, walked over to the girl, and kissed her defiantly. Then he shouted, I used you to steal your family's money. 
The whole world came crashing down at the same moment. Tears rolled down my face. Stop. You probably don't know what's going on at all, do you? Let me start from the beginning. My name's Lissa. My parents own a huge factory. And we're rich. Very rich. How did I meet Tom? And why didn't I realize right away that he was pretending to steal our mansion? One day, I was walking through the mall with my friend Lily. We walked from store to store until we reached the most expensive boutique in town. The name spoke for itself. Luxury. Once inside, we immediately noticed the stunning shoes. Gold color, decorated with rhinestones. Unbelievable. The price was not significant. $200,000. But I fell in love with them at first sight. So without thinking twice, I took the shoes to the checkout counter. I was greeted there by a guy with the name Tom on his badge. Did you see the price? He asked in surprise. Yes, 200000 Here's the credit card. Tom almost dropped his jaw as he processed my purchase. He packed my shoes very carefully, and Lily and I headed for the exit. Suddenly, Tom called out to us in an uncertain voice. Excuse me, I'm going to finish soon. Would you like to have some coffee? Lily and I looked at each other, and then, without even turning around, we laughed out loud. We found the idea of going out for coffee with an ordinary salesman hilarious. My friend and I said goodbye in the parking lot. As I was driving down the highway, in my rearview mirror, I noticed a suspicious car that seemed to be following me. Even pulling into the grounds of my mansion, I saw the same car drive by slowly. Maybe it was just a coincidence, and he was on his way. I walked into the house, a huge mansion on the outskirts of town. Already in the bedroom, I unpacked my purchase. I twirled in the shoes in front of the mirror for a while. Very beautiful. I wish I could have gone to school in them and wowed everyone. Even though my family was one of the richest in town, I still had to go to an ordinary school with children from poor families. Unfortunately, there were no other schools in the area. Oh, what a contingent it was. For example, the next day while I was walking down the hall, some nitwit shoved me, which caused the books I was carrying to scatter all over the floor. What a jerk! I gritted through my teeth. I agree. Someone handed me one of the books. I looked up and saw the cashier from the store. Tony? I asked in surprise. Tom, actually. Actually, I don't care. I'm new here. Can you show me around the school? I laughed out loud without another word, carried on with my business. At the end of the day, there was a nasty surprise waiting for me in the parking lot. One of my tires was flat. Oh, crap. Wow, that looks like a serious puncture. Tom whistled. It was like he'd appeared out of thin air. I was not in the mood and barked, Piss off! Okay, just wanted to help you with changing the tire. Wait! <sighs> I sighed heavily. The spares in the trunk. Tom jacked the car up and replaced the tire. He did it easily, like he'd been doing it since he was a kid. When he was done, the guy asked me, how about a cup of coffee now? Just for a little while? I only said yes because he helped me. Tom nodded and jumped in the car. We drove to a coffee shop nearby. At first, Tom struck me as very chatty, but I had to admit, his stories were very funny. One of them made me laugh so hard, <laughs> I even got coffee coming out of my nose. 
After the cafe, I volunteered to give Tom a ride home, but he politely declined. I shook my hands, started the car, and drove off. I could forget about the meeting, but at dinner, I accidentally spilled grape juice on the white tablecloth, and in the red stain spreading across the table, I suddenly saw Tom's face. There were his cheekbones, his forehead, his funny ears. I admired the stain and sighed languidly. My mother's voice brought me back to reality. Maybe you can help me take off the tablecloth. Okay, Mom. I spent the rest of the evening cleaning the stain and thinking about Tom. This had never happened to me before. I think I'm in love. When I met Lily at school the next day, I told her everything. My friend frowned. That Tom came out of nowhere. Don't you think that's weird? You're right. I should have gotten some information about him. Lily was worried about me. She was my best friend, and she was the only one who could deal with my hot temper. And what was our surprise? When we met Tom again outside the school, in his hand, he held a glass of coffee. Here, your favorite, with almond syrup, I remembered. The guy winked. Oh, thanks, but Lily and I have to run. I grabbed a glass, and my friend and I quickly left. I needed a break to find out who this Tom really was. So at night, I planned to check all social media and find out more about him, but not until after the gym, which I did every Wednesday. I stayed a little longer than usual that day, so I had to walk through the dark parking lot to get to my car. Just when I was opening the door, I heard a whistle. When I turned around, I saw the figure of a huge boogeyman emerge from the semi-darkness. He muttered, Beautiful car. Must be expensive. His stone gave me a good scare. I wanted to run away, but my legs stopped responding. I'll call the police. But it wasn't so easy to scare the man. He had already stretched out his arms to grab me. I squeezed my eyes shut with fear. But a few seconds passed and nothing happened. I cautiously opened my eyes and saw Tom. Next to the guy was the defeated boogeyman lying on the pavement. He was shaking his fist and screaming in pain. Come on, let's get out of here, shouted my savior. You, you saved me, I whispered. Tom put me in the passenger seat and he jumped behind the wheel. The car screeched out of the parking lot. I told Tom the address of my house. When we pulled up outside the mansion, the guy exclaimed, Wow, this house is huge. While he admired the mansion, I admired him. It was great that he'd saved me and brought me home unharmed. Tom started to say something, but I didn't listen. I clung to my savior and kissed him. Tom hugged me, and we kissed for a few more minutes. However, it was time to say goodbye. At home, I couldn't stop thinking about my Prince Charming, and I fell asleep with a smile on my lips. So, did you find out who Tom really is? Lily asked me the next morning. Yes, he's my hero, my savior. My friend was confused when she heard me say that, but I didn't have time to go into details. I wanted to see Tom as soon as possible. So, I invited him over to my house for dinner. Come over tonight, and I'll show you around the mansion. I'm sorry, but I'm not ready to meet your parents yet. He hesitated. Don't worry, they're gone for the weekend. Tom closed his locker, smiled, and nodded. In the evening, I met him on the doorstep, and we had a real tour of my house. We visited almost every room. But for some reason, that study interested him the most. He was looking around with a keen eye. He was especially interested in my dad's safe. 
Tom kept looking at it and then suddenly started asking strange questions. When did your mom and dad meet? When were you born? And your parents? I was glad that Tom wanted to know more about me and my family, so I gladly answered all of his questions. After the tour, I invited the boy over to the table. We ate and chatted happily, and then Tom poured me my favorite grape juice. I was extraordinarily lucky to meet you here to our meeting, and you. Bottoms up. Wonderful toast, Tom. We clanked glasses, and I drank the juice. Suddenly, my phone rang. It was Lily. I had to leave the table, go up to my room and answer it. My friend was really hysterical. She was screaming. I checked it out! Tom the burglar! No way! I couldn't hear another word. My ears were ringing, my eyes were getting blurry, and my legs buckled, and I fell down. The last thing I remembered was Tom's sly smile, and the rest you already know. When I woke up, my head was literally pounding. Of course, the creep had put something in my glass. Tom had bagged everything he could find, and now he was about to flee the scene of the crime with his girlfriend. I used you to steal your family's money. I felt so sorry for myself, but wanting to rip that bastard to shreds helped me pull myself together. Meanwhile, Tom and his girlfriend jumped in the car. I ran to my dad's office. The safe was open, and there were bills scattered around. So that's why Tom was asking all those questions. He wanted the password to the safe, and apparently, he had succeeded. I rushed downstairs to the main entrance. I opened the doors and saw Tom's car heading for the gate. Well, I'd have to give chase. I wouldn't want to give up everything that belonged to my family that easily. But the tire of my car was flat again. It was in the same place it had been in the parking lot. Now I knew. Tom had a whole plan to lure me into his web. He slashed my tire outside the school, and that bouncer didn't just show up at the gym. Tom had sent him too. That bastard had to do everything he could to get me to like him. Well, he succeeded. He had me wrapped around his finger so easily. I ran out into the road in a panic. But all I had to do was to watch the crooks car leave the grounds of the mansion. Exhausted, I sat down on the pavement and wept bitterly. Suddenly, the sound of a police siren was heard somewhere nearby. This was my last chance to set things right. As I ran out the gate, I saw Tom and his girlfriend being detained by the police. Standing next to the police car was my Lily. My friend rushed toward me. Are you okay? I am now. Did you call the cops? Yes, right after the call. We hugged. I was so grateful to Lily for being there for me. You're lucky. The robber took a long time with the safe and didn't have time to get away, said the policeman who came up to us. Thank you, officer. I walked over to the patrol car. Tom was sitting in the backseat handcuffed. He looked at me with eyes full of hate. I smiled and waved. The police left, and Lily and I went back to my place to celebrate my rescue. By the way, that story had taught me something. After I'd almost lost everything, I realized that I was worthless on my own. So it's time for me to change. I'm learning to be kinder and better, and Lily's helping me do that. What life events made you change? It would be great if you could tell me your story in the comments. And don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. Bye! Hello everyone, my name is Susie, and I will tell you what it feels like to not taste anything at all. I never thought that that was possible in real life, but it turns out that it can happen to anyone.
But first things first. It happened one spring day. My older sister and I were cycling in a park not far from our house. In general, I can ride a bike very well, and apart from that, I have quite significant experience in it. I've been cycling since I was six years old, but something went wrong that day. I wanted to show my sister how skillfully I could get from the curb to the road on a bicycle, but because of the wet road, the wheels began to slip and my bike fell down along with me. I could not manage to control the movement of the bike, so I collapsed to the ground and hit my head on the curb really hard. My sister Melody immediately rushed to me, but I lost consciousness. I came to my senses a few days later in the hospital. My head was bandaged, and there were a lot of sensors and doctors around. My mom was also present, and when I opened my eyes, she couldn't hold back her tears. It turned out that I had quite a serious head injury, which really scared all my loved ones. That day, it seemed like the worst was over because I finally woke up, but in fact, my biggest ordeal was yet to come. My mom, being happy that I was recovering, wanted to feed me with some tasty homemade food. As soon as the doctors gave the green light for her to do it, mom rushed home to bake my favorite strawberry tart. And finally, the long-awaited piece of tart was in my hand, and I was eagerly taking a bite of it. But suddenly, I faced a terrible disappointment. I couldn't taste anything at all. Then everything was like what you'd see in a movie. My mom was sobbing a lot, doctors were fruitlessly examining me and trying to find the reason for this, and I was crying into my pillow every night so that no one could see it. It turned out that when I fell down and got a head injury, some neural connections in my brain were damaged and I lost the sense of taste. Doctors were shrugging and saying that it would take some time and more thorough examination was required. Although, since then, a little more than a year has passed and I still can't taste anything. It makes my life unbearable and gloomy. I do not enjoy the food that I eat at all. As a result, I have a poor appetite. I lost weight and started having problems with my immune system due to the lack of vitamins. Doctors prescribe me a bunch of dietary supplements, which I always have to carry with me and take some of them on an empty stomach and others after meals. My classmates began to make fun of me because in the school cafeteria, I always had a pile of bottles with me. But then they found out that I couldn't taste anything and began to make experiments on me, adding a heap of salt or chili pepper to my food. My life began to seem dark and gloomy to me. I became more withdrawn and did not want to talk to anyone. There were days when I did not want to go to school at all, and I came up with various pretexts to stay at home. My performance worsened, although before, I had always gotten good grades. In short, it seemed to me that the whole world was falling apart around me, and this was all because I had lost the sense of taste. At such moments, only reading could save me. I prepared a large cup of hot tea for myself, sat down by the window with a pile of books, and plunged into the unreal fantasy world to escape from my earthly problems. Yes, I did not sense the taste of tea, but it made me feel warm. Once, quite an ordinary morning began as always, with the bullying of classmates, but suddenly something happened that deeply struck me. One of my abusers, his name was Michael, suddenly began to intercede for me. Before that, Michael was absent from school for several days. Why is he protecting me? What happened? Before, he used to mock me, just like everyone else did. These questions were spinning in my mind like flies, but I couldn't find an answer to them. It even seemed to me that he had some tricky plan for me to get my guard down and then hurt me again three times harder. 
A week had passed since that day and none of my classmates were bullying me any longer. I was so used to being an outcast and a loser in our class that at first it felt totally weird that no one offended me. Later, Michael came up to me and asked to go to the end of the corridor, behind the stairs, where it was possible to talk face-to-face where no one could hear us. Well, finally, I thought, and followed him. Michael said that he had been absent because he had a sore throat, so he needed to take sick leave. When he was ill, he wasn't able to taste anything for several days, and during this time, he understood how horrible my condition was. He felt ashamed that he had been mocking me and realized that it was not my fault that I suffered from this ailment. He asked me to forgive him and said that he knew how to help me restore my sense of taste, but for this, he needed a little time. After this conversation, I started hoping that I would become like everyone else again. My mood improved, I began to smile more often, and I felt a desire to live. About a month passed since I had that talk with Michael, and he invited me to go behind the stairs again to have a word with me. There, he showed me a small vial with green liquid inside. When I asked what it was, he replied that it was a healing potion, which his grandma, who was a healer, prepared specially for me. Michael said that I should drink it exactly at midnight, and then immediately go to bed without talking to anyone. Although I never believed in healers, I did everything as he said. When I opened my eyes in the morning, I immediately rushed to the fridge to try something and see if I could taste anything again. The first thing I found was a watermelon. I eagerly bit off a huge chunk, but then I was disappointed because everything remained the same. At school, I told Michael that the potion had not helped me, but he comforted me and assured me that I had to wait and the effect might not occur right away. I fastened on the hope, catching it like a lifeline, and just started waiting. I believed with all my heart and soul that the sense of taste would surely return to me again. But soon, a miracle happened. One of my classmates gave me candy. I took it reluctantly because I still didn't get any pleasure from it, but I didn't want to offend her. Without much enthusiasm, I unwrapped it and bit off a piece and instantly sensed the taste of milk chocolate in my mouth. I could not believe it and started eating more and more of it. Now, I don't know what helped me get my sense of taste back. This could be thanks to the potion given by the healer, my faith, or because of positive thinking. Whatever the truth, with the returning of taste to my life, it acquired fresh colors. I felt complete again. I wanted to study and achieve my goals. This situation showed me that those who we consider our enemies are not always soulless and cruel. Sometimes they're just ordinary humans who are under the thumb of others, and they do not want to stand out from the crowd. Apart from that, I realize that not every diagnosis is a verdict. How important is your taste for you? Have you ever thought about its role in our lives? Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and so on, and you'll be given a shout-out. Also, drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast, My Animated Story, by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... I am Iris, and I'm the most popular girl in school. I'm beautiful and talented, and I have a good figure, but I still don't have a boyfriend. And that's because I'm allergic to kissing, but I'm hiding it carefully. The doctors don't know what it is, 
Any kiss just makes my lips swell up like dumplings. I can't even go out with boys, even though I have a lot of admirers. And so, everyone thinks I'm an arrogant, stuck-up... Ugh, and how am I supposed to value my personal life like this? Only my friend Emma knows about my secret. By the way, she's pretty popular with guys too, and she's already dating another guy on the soccer team. They're constantly going on dates, kissing around every corner, and spending a lot of time together. I am so jealous of them. What did you think? I want to have a boyfriend and all that romantic stuff too. It all started when I was a kid. When I turned 10, I had a crush on my classmate, Sean. He was so cool. He walked me home every day, and then one day, he decided to kiss me. Now imagine kissing a girl and her lips swell up in front of your eyes like they've been filled with air, like balloons. Out of fear, Sean ran away and never came near me again. Then it happened again at 12 with Aaron, at 15 with Ben. I only know about French kissing from Emma's stories, and I realized I'd be single for the rest of my life. Who wants to date a girl you can't even kiss? My mom took me to so many doctors, but they just kept throwing up their hands. No one could understand my body's reaction. Because of this, I try to stay away from boys at school. I didn't want anyone to find out my secret and make fun of me. That Iris thinks she's a queen. No one is worthy of her. She'll end up alone like an old maid. That's what I heard behind my back, but it was better than humiliating jokes about my lips. Iris, you won't believe this. A new kid is transferring to our school. If you talk about it with such enthusiasm, it must be someone interesting. Oh yes, he's so cool. If you hadn't skipped school yesterday, you would have seen him for yourself. I didn't skip school. I was at the doctor's. You know that. Ugh, come on, I'm waiting for the details. You'll see for yourself. He's an Apollo on a cool bike. I met Emma outside school as usual. I immediately noticed that it was unusually noisy and lively. Look, it seems like the whole school is waiting for him to show up. And then I saw a steep motorcycle pull in, driven by a man, all dressed in black leather and wearing a shiny black helmet. The roar of his engine drowned out everything around him. He parked the bike in the parking lot and took off his helmet. Oh, God. He was the most handsome guy I'd ever seen. Black hair and blue eyes. What an interesting combination. Everyone in the schoolyard went silent. The guys were looking at him with envy and the girls were drooling over him. He started walking past me and Emma, and I pretended to be completely uninterested in him. I turned around to go inside, and what do you think happened? I tripped and started falling. All I could do was close my eyes. My whole life flashed before my eyes, but I didn't fall. I didn't fall to the ground. I landed right in the arms of the new guy. I just felt the stares on my skin. Oops, sorry. That's an interesting way to get acquainted, the guy said grudgingly. You think too much of yourself. Don't flatter yourself. Okay. And he just spread his arms and I flopped down on the ground. Hey, are you out of your mind? It would do you good to land a little. <laughs> With a laugh, the rude guy walked into the hall 
and I was left all red with anger. How dare he? Who acts like that to a girl? I'm gonna get him. It was the most embarrassing thing I'd experienced in a long time. Still panting with anger, I entered the classroom, and I saw him at the next desk. He was introduced to the class as Jack O'Malley. He'd recently moved to our small town. His mom got a job at the local hospital. And I, as class president, was assigned to help him get his books. In fact, as our teacher, Mr. Elvin, said, Help him adjust to the new place and make friends. What friends? You could tell right away he was a mean guy. All right, I'll show you around. You'll have to get your books from the library first. You must be a nerd, huh? If you're supposed to babysit me. I'm not a nerd. I'm the class president. And yes, I'm a good student, too. And you can't be too modest. Look, I know we didn't get to know each other, but I don't want to waste my time with you either. So let me just show you around and say goodbye. Oh, and the headmistress is offended. Well, you can go about your business. I'll take care of myself. That's good. So I turned around and went to the schoolyard, where Emma and I agreed to meet. Ugh, this new guy was so annoying. Emma was already waiting for me. When she saw my face and my gait, she knew right away that I wasn't happy about something. I told her that the boar was going to be in my class and that I was going to have to babysit him for a while. The whole day I was so angry that everything just fell out of my hands. Class was over, and Emma and I went out into the yard again. Suddenly, I heard the loud roar of an engine. The jerk's bike was coming right at me. I shrieked, and the bike stopped just a few inches away from me. I was so freaked out, and that ignorant Jack was just laughing. I felt horribly hurt and looked at him angrily, and I didn't notice the tears running down my cheeks. Jack's face changed right away. He got off his bike and came over to me. Were you scared? I'm sorry. Fuck you, you jerk! Iris, that's not polite. He said he was sorry. I don't care. And I ran away. It was the most embarrassing thing that had ever happened to me. Jack caught up with me on the way home. He called out to me, but I pretended not to hear him. He then blocked my way and apologized. He said he was just trying to be funny, and he didn't think I'd be that scared. He looked very guilty. Of course, I felt sorry for him, and we called a truce. After that, we started spending a lot of time together. Jack wasn't doing so well in school. I offered to help him and start pulling him up on subjects. Because Jack and I talked a lot and became friends, Emma asked me to introduce her to him. I knew she had her eye on him. I really didn't want them to be together, but I couldn't say no to her either. Jack, listen, you remember my friend Emma, right? Oh yeah, isn't she the one who was always with you until I showed up? Haha. <laughs> Ugh, you're so cocky. Yeah, that's the one. Anyway, why don't I introduce you? Why not? I'd be glad to get to know your friend. I was kind of hurt by his words, but I didn't show it. We agreed to meet at a coffee shop near the school. When Jack and I arrived, Emma was already sitting at a table waiting for us. My friend waved at us and indicated our seats. I sat across from her, and Emma pulled Jack to her and sat him down next to her. 
Throughout the evening, I sat and watched as she flirted with my friend, making eyes at him and getting all the attention she could. It must have been obvious that I didn't like it. Jack felt very uncomfortable, but he couldn't leave. It wouldn't have been pretty. Eventually, my patience ran out and I just got up from the table. Emma, you're too pushy. I feel like you're pushing Jack around. Oh, come on, Iris. We're getting along very well, aren't we, Jack? Jack sat silent and stared into his glass. I freaked out and left, and he ran after me. Naturally, Emma also jumped out after us. Jack caught up with me on the street. What's wrong? It's okay. She's your friend. Do you mean you like the way she's luring you in? I didn't say that. I didn't send her away because she's your friend and I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I thought you seemed to enjoy her company. Wait a minute. Are you jealous? Jack asked with a smile on his face. Before I could answer, Emma came running over. Guys, what's wrong? Iris, if you wanted to go home, you could have left normally and not spoiled the mood for all of us. I opened my mouth in surprise. I wanted to answer, but I just couldn't find the right words. Then Jack intervened. He took Emma aside and told her something. I could see her face change. Was it shock? Surprise? Anger? She threw something angrily over her shoulder and walked away. I stood there, unable to comprehend what had just happened. Jack came up to me in a dazed sort of way. He took my hand and led me to his bike. I asked him what Emma had told him, but he said nothing. He also didn't say anything when he put my helmet on, didn't say anything when we got on the handlebars, and didn't say anything the whole way to my house. Already at home, I decided I had to find out everything. I had no intention of backing down. Jack, answer me. I don't want to talk about it. I don't care. What did Emma say and what's going on anyway? Jack took my hand. Iris, is there anything you want to tell me? What are you talking about? When I took Emma outside the cafe, I told her that I liked you and that I wasn't considering her to be my girlfriend. She said I'd still change my mind when you revealed your secret. I went pale. I got dizzy. How? How could that be? Emma was an old friend of mine. She wouldn't tell my secret. I covered my face with my hands and cried from resentment, betrayal, and fear that I might lose Jack forever. Well, there was no way out. I had to tell Jack. I couldn't keep it to myself forever. After I told him, it surprised me when Jack pulled me to him, hugged me, and said the most cherished words. Iris, I like you, and it doesn't bother me that you're allergic to kissing. It's nice and easy for me to just hold you and always be near you. You will let me do that, won't you? I like you too, but I was afraid to tell you my secret. I thought it would repel you and you'd stop looking at me as a girl. By the way, Emma and I haven't spoken since then. She called and apologized, though. She said Jack had hurt her and she was just jealous of me. That's the only reason she let my secret out. I forgave her, of course, but I limited our communication as much as possible. And Jack and I are fine. And by the way, he and I did kiss. Jack found me a good doctor who prescribed me strong anti-allergy medication. And now I can live a normal life like the other girls. 
share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by...